The world isn't simple anymore. And on the Walden Pond podcast, your host, anti-fraud expert Vince Walden, is talking to experts about the technology and compliance trends you need to know about to keep your compliance and fraud detection programs relevant. If you're looking for insights that are practical, timely, and innovative, welcome to The Pond. Well, welcome to The Pond. I'm your host, Vincent Walden, speaking to you on the Tom Fox Compliance Podcast Network. Today, I'm here with Jennifer Saperstein, a partner with Covington based in Washington, D.C., and she also is vice chair of their anti-corruption practice group. So welcome, Jennifer. Well, glad you could be on. Pleased to be here, Vincent. Yeah, great. Thank you. And, you know, in typical Walden Pond fashion, I always like to start off with a quote. And, you know, given your extensive background in FCPA investigations, I thought this one, again, written by Thoreau 150 plus years ago, was particularly relevant given the detailed nature of what must be done in an FCPA investigation. And again, so the quote goes like this, nature will bear the closest inspection. She invites us to lay our eye level with her smallest leaf and take an insect view of its plane, getting down into the weeds, as they say. What do you think of that quote? I thought that was particularly relevant in some of the investigation work that we've done in the past. It was kind of relevant. What do you think about that? I love that quote. <laughs> as you said, we, we love to get down into the weeds, whether it's on an investigation trying to ferret out whether bribery or some other misconduct occurred, or even on proactive compliance projects, just getting to know a, a company really well to figure out what type of program is going to work best for them. Um, I, it's a great quote. Yeah, it's a good point. You know, even on analytics, you can't find bribery and corruption at the top of the payment or the top of the general ledger. You have to get into the detailed individual payments because that's where it lives. Good point. So with that, let's start off, you know, our audience, legal and compliance professionals really like to kind of get to know, get to know who the speaker is. So first, Jennifer, give us a background of where, you know, how you got to become, you know, how did you get your current role at Covington? Well, as you mentioned, I'm a partner in our D.C. office and vice chair of our anti-corruption group. But while I've been in D.C. for over a decade, I'm a a native of the Chicago area and a lifelong Cubs fan. (laughs) Right on. And several other Chicago sports teams. But I I came to the East Coast for college at Duke and eventually made my way to New York, where I went to law school. And I've spent pretty much my entire legal career at Covington, other than a year I spent working for a judge and doing some different interesting things during law school internships. I spent a summer living in Malaysia, my 1L summer of law school. But since graduation, other than working for a judge, I have been at Covington and I was summer associate, I was an associate, and then I became a partner. See, that's awesome. You just talk about working your way through the ranks. Very cool. All right. Well, you know, when you're advising, again, you've had an opportunity to talk to lots of companies in a variety of industries. When you're advising general counsel and compliance officers about kind of what they can do to demonstrate an effective compliance program, what are some of the key themes that you're emphasizing and giving them advice on? Well, this year obviously has been quite a challenging year for for many companies, for many individuals. But as challenging as this year has been, in many ways, I think some of the key themes remain the same for compliance professionals. It's always helpful to have a risk-based documented plan. 
I have yet in my career to work with a company that has an unlimited amount of resources. So it's always helpful for companies to be able to demonstrate where they have focused their resources and why. And as the pandemic has focused, forced many companies to do more with less and forced compliance teams to do more with less, I think it's particularly important that companies make smart, risk-based decisions about where to spend their time in. Another key question that's come up often this year is how compliance programs can continue to reach their employees effectively when opportunities for travel and in-person meetings are limited or non-existent. And many compliance professionals will find that those in-person opportunities, running into colleagues in the cafeteria, going out and visiting different locations are really critical to how they do their job effectively. So that's been a, a particular challenge. While at the same time for many companies, at the same time travel is limited and people are grounded, newer different risks have emerged as companies have had changes in sales models, in supply chains, many cases even in the product or service that's being sold. And so to the extent that they have not already done so, I'd encourage companies to consider conducting targeted risk assessments that are focused on the operational changes and challenges that have been caused by the pandemic. Yeah, it's clear that I would imagine you know, the risk assessment that you did pre-COVID is probably not as relevant as the risk assessment now post-COVID. The landscape has clearly changed, I'm sure. I think there's an opportunity for companies, even if they have their regular risk assessment process, to do something really targeted to figure out whether they have any new or different compliance risks coming out of the pandemic. Or mm -hmm. Now, what's fun is you and I recently collaborated along with some of our other partners from Covington and Alvarez, respectively, on this kind of, it was a private survey that we did uh, looking at compliance technology trends, where we looked at around over 30 companies, I think over a billion dollars. But I'd love to get your thoughts. And again, without going into any company specifics, as obviously we won't want to go into, but what would you say were some of the more interesting themes that we saw those companies articulate in our compliance technology survey? One of the most interesting things for me was just thinking back on where most companies were a decade ago. The compliance transformation has really been significant. So most companies 10 years ago managed their anti-corruption compliance programs through manual forms, manual checklists, and processes. Now we had nearly 70% of our survey respondents say they use technology for third-party due diligence. 100% of our survey respondents use an LMS system to make training available to employees and nearly all are using technology to track employee completion of training. So I do think we've really seen a lot of change in the last 10 years. At the same time, fewer than 10% of our survey responded are integrating that third-party due diligence and risk information into their vendor payment monitoring and reporting controls. And fewer than half are using automated workflows when pre-approval is required for things like employee travel or gifts meals, entertainment, other high-risk areas, fee-for-service agreements, charitable donations. So this suggests that many companies are still relying on manual processes, at least for some parts of their compliance program and for some approvals that are required before undertaking higher-risk activities. So I think there's still a lot of room for companies to use technology to improve their compliance programs and to shift around resources. And I think you'll continue to see the most sophisticated programs move in that direction. Wow. Yeah. Great insights. And uh, that was a fun endeavor to kind of get that peek into what's going on in the minds of compliance professionals. Now, when you think about switching gears to kind of the investigations capabilities, 
you know, I know Covington has a very large global footprint, especially when it comes to anti-corruption investigations and or compliance monitoring program development. What would you say are some of the more unique characteristics of your firm and even how you look at conducting cross-border investigations or compliance initiatives that kind of set you guys apart? Border investigations are unique in a number of ways because by their very nature, you're dealing with the laws of multiple countries, and that can Mm. come into play in almost every aspect of the investigation. When you think about how data privacy laws impact what documents you can collect and where you can send them and who can look at them, all the way down to the labor laws that impact employee discipline and other remedial measures, you know, in the middle or at the end of an investigation. And one of the reasons I think companies like to hire Covington is because we have an incredibly collaborative culture where our white collar lawyers are working alongside data privacy specialists to come up with creative solutions that can satisfy the expectations of both European privacy regulators on the one hand and U.S. enforcement authorities on the other hand, or we may team up, the white collar team may team up with regulatory specialists. So if you're doing an investigation of potential violations of export control laws, for example, our team will have sort of seasoned white collar lawyers working alongside experts in the technical aspects of export controls compliance. So we'll build the best team based on the needs of the matter and and bring in other experts as needed. And that's just how we work. And it's how we work across the globe. We aren't particularly siloed. And I think the results speak for themselves. Our white collar team has gotten nearly 20 declinations in the last 12 months alone. So it's a, it's a pretty good track record. Yeah, collaboration's key. You know, and that's uh, <laughs> that does make it a lot more interesting and fun, and it, it makes it run a lot smoother, huh? especially in an investigation where the stakes are so high. We have time for one last question, which is kind of how we look at 2021. <laughs> 2020 has been crazy. So, you know, as legal and compliance professionals are looking, are rounding out the end of the year and thinking about their goals for 2021 and the resources that they have, what areas should they be most focused on? And perhaps what advice might you give them as they demonstrate their alignment and they want to improve their compliance program while also perhaps meeting budgetary restrictions that the CFO perhaps is meeting on cost containment? It's a really unique time because companies have struggled this year, so there's all sorts of cost pressures, but yet the regulatory environment will be increasing, I think, in 2021, especially under a new administration. How do they balance this? It's a really good question, and you know, I I think you're right. I think a lot of people are expecting there may be an increase in enforcement and white-collar enforcement in, in the years ahead. And that being the case, I think it's even more important to invest in compliance programs now course, you know, in the middle of the pandemic, as, as you know, we saw the DOJ criminal division update its guidance on the evaluation of effective compliance programs. That was in the middle of the pandemic, suggesting DOJ still thinks compliance is important. And I think there are a couple of areas that were emphasized in those revisions. One relates to the focus on resourcing and empowerment of compliance programs and professionals. And we already talked today about the need for companies to make smart risk-based decisions about resourcing. But another key through line in the revisions to the compliance guidance by DOJ, by the criminal division, relates to the use of data in compliance programs. And as you and I have talked about many times, DOJ made clear that compliance professionals need to have access to data and that companies need to take a continuous improvement approach 
to enhancing their compliance programs, including by using, obtaining, tracking, and acting on compliance-relevant data. And I think as DOJ continues to meet with compliance professionals who've begun to use data in sophisticated ways, DOJ's expectations for what a compliance firm may be capable of are going to continue to expand at the same time that we expect to see more enforcement. But to your point about budgetary pressures and cost management, this doesn't have to be an expensive undertaking. Oftentimes, companies are already collecting data that is quite relevant to compliance professionals, and that data may be collected outside of the compliance function, but it shouldn't be very expensive for compliance professionals to go talk to their colleagues in audit, in finance, in the business, in other functions to get a sense of what data is already being collected that perhaps they could also use for compliance purposes. So true. That's so true. <laughs> yeah. Align with DOJ's expectations without spending a ton of additional money that there's time for when you have more resources making all sorts of different investments, but there are things you can do even with cost management pressures to make use of existing data. Yeah, and even the technology. Typically, companies will have some of the visualization tools or the big data systems or platforms needed for some of these analytics that maybe the marketing department or internal audit or procurement's already using. And yeah, it's just a function of asking and not having to rebuild it from scratch. It's a huge point. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for being on the pond with me and looking forward to having you out next time, perhaps next year. So again, thank you very much for joining. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And uh, for those listening, thank you very much for uh, being out on the pond with us, part of the Tom Fox Compliance Podcast Network. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Walden Pond Podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review.